0: Why do you want to fight? This is The Fight Game, fight game. with Daman
1: Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. I am your host, Daman Cotton, and boy, do we have a show for you today. It's such a jam-packed show, I don't even know where to start. I mean, we could go in the world of professional boxing. We could go in MMA. We could go professional wrestling. We could go in celebrity boxing. There's just so much to go. I mean, even Hollywood, there are fights. Did Harry spot, Did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? I don't know. But there's just so much to talk about and we can get into it all here on The Fight Game. If you want to be involved with the show, you can call the show. If you want to be a caller on the show, the number is 702-221-8982. You can follow me and interact with me on Twitter throughout the show at Demon underscore the boss on Twitter and all social media platforms at that point. And you can follow the station account at 1230 the game also on Twitter if you'd like to get in contact with the show that way. But as I said, to start, so much to talk about. Last weekend, Andy Ruiz gets a big win in the heavyweight division in boxing. What's next for Andy Ruiz? Cyril Gane gets a big knockout in the UFC, in UFC's Paris, the UFC's first entry into Paris. Cyril Gane gets a big knockout over Taito Ivasa. And boy, was that exciting. What could be next for him? With Francis Ngannou, maybe after such a decisive knockout, maybe Cyril Ganshan, Forget about John Jones. Forget about Stipe. I deserve a rematch next. Who knows? But we are going to start with Andy Ruiz Jr. Is he knocked? No, he didn't knock out. He did knock him down twice in the fight. Twice in the second round. A third time, excuse me, knock him down three times. Twice in the second round. Another in the seventh. Andy Ruiz gets the decision victory over luis ortiz and with andy ruiz he is just one of those fighters is he entertaining yes could he be an elite heavyweight boxer we know that we've seen him with the knockout over not not the knockout yes excuse me over anthony joshua but he's just gonna be that guy we all know with him the body can he get himself into shape he was around that same weight 268 as he was in the first joshua fight so getting the body right. He's not the most powerful puncher in the heavyweight division, but he's got fast hands. Fast, fast hands. Andy Ruiz has there. But you just never know with him. He's just one of those fighters. What's going to be next with him? As he wins 114, 113, 114. A close fight for a guy who had three knockdowns in the fight. But speaking of that heavyweight division, I don't know where Andy Ruiz fits into this this three-ring circus where you have at the top of It should only be two guys. It's only a two-horse race. But with recent developments, Anthony Joshua is basically putting it out there. Hey, Tyson Fury, I'll accept the fight in December. I'll be ready. That's what he's saying on social media. Tyson Fury, he does a stint with WWE at Clash at the Castle this past weekend. And it's a good spot. You know, he knocks out Austin Theory. He's doing the post the post-WWE event press conference with Drew McIntyre answering a couple of questions. And now Tyson Fury has come out saying, no, no, not Alexander Usyk. That's not who he's going to fight next. It's almost as if he's calling out Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is saying, hey, if you're serious, I'm serious. So where does that leave Yusick, the heavyweight champion, with three titles in the heavyweight division as opposed to Tyson Fury's one? Tyson Fury, does he want to just fight Anthony Joshua? Would that be the bigger payday fight? Possibly. I don't know what the money would be. I don't know what the split would be. Obviously, right now, this fight with Anthony Joshua would have been a lot more appealing to folks if this would have happened sooner. A few years ago, this was the fight that everyone wanted to see. Now that Anthony Joshua's got three losses on his record... I don't know if the fight's that much in demand, but I do know that people will pay to see it. Would, they, would fans pay to see this fight more than a unification belt heavyweight division, Fury, Usyk? I don't know about that, but I think that maybe this could just be a ploy from a Tyson Fury to just try to get, I'm not going to say more money, or just that split. We know that the splits in boxing are so important. Would it be 50-50? Because with Usyk, when you have a guy who's got three titles to your one, and he is also undefeated, that's looking like a 50-50 split to me. But maybe this could be Tyson Fury saying, hey man, 50-50, a 50-50 split doesn't sound that good to me. So I'm going to go get a, a big money fight. I don't know if the money's going to be just as big, but I know he could get a bigger share of the purse with a fight with Anthony Joshua, as opposed to... Alexander Yusik. So I really don't know what game Tyson Fury's playing here, but the boxing heavyweight division, I talk the heavyweight division in boxing. And I talk about it. It feels like every show. Deontay Wilder, Andy Ruiz just had another impressive showing. I mean, there are so many fights that could be made, and they would all be entertaining. I would all I would want to see them all. I don't need the belts to be involved. I don't need titles on the line. Tyson Fury, Usyk, will it happen? Maybe down the road. I hope that both fighters are still undefeated by the time that that happens. But if Tyson Fury says, hey, I'm going to hold off on Usyk because I want to take on Anthony Joshua, and Anthony Joshua is down for it as well, if this can happen the end of the year, if this could cap off in December, hey, even early January, I am all in. I want to see this fight, like I said, would this fight have been more appealing in 2018? Sure. But would I still pay to see it in 2022? You're darn right I will. Because there's nothing better than heavyweight boxing. And Tyson Fury, is is he retired? Is he not retired? Is this all just a ploy just to keep his name in the news, just to stay relevant? Does he want to be in the WWE ring more than in a boxing ring? I don't have the answers to that, so I'll just have to take him at his word that he wants this fight with Anthony Joshua because from what he's putting out in the media Usyk is ducking him now i don't believe that one bit i don't believe it at all but if that is how anthony if that is how tyson fury's camp is going to play it well that's just how they're going to play it and anthony joshua if he's going to be the fighter to step up to the plate he can't he can't control that usyk has a better record has the better resume he has those three titles in the heavyweight division he can't control that the champ is calling him out. Because after two losses in a row, if I'm Anthony Joshua, I'm taking this fight with Tyson Fury as well. Because it is just the it's the English side of it. You've got two Englishmen. That's going to be a big draw. I don't know if this is going to sell out Wimbledon or anything, but this could be a big fight. Here's the tweet here from Tyson Fury. Yo, Anthony Joshua. What you saying, Big G? Let's give the fans what they want, as Usyk is a word I'm not going to say on here. I got the date and venue. Who will we, who will rule Britannia? And we have a, um, a already made poster, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. So Joshua comes back, quote tweets. Yeah, calm. I don't know if that's British slang for anything. Honestly, don't. Yeah, calm. I don't do the online discussions just for clout. So if you really about it, shout at 258 Management. I'll be ready in December. So there we go, folks. If both parties involved are serious about this, I think we have a fight for the Heavyweight Championship of the World in December. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Is it going to happen? Ah, Probably not. If you're going to be a betting man, if you're going to even bet that is this fight even going to happen in December? Maybe eventually down the road. Maybe it could still happen. But is this fight going to happen in December? Probably not. Probably not. But as I said, I am very intrigued. And moving on in the world of boxing. We've got a date. We talked about it last week. We talked about it last week, and it was, ah, uh, is it gonna happen? Is it not gonna happen? It was in the works. Deals have been signed, but now it's official. Jake Paul, Anderson Silva. <laughs> Does that get you pumped up? I don't know if it gets anybody else pumped up, but I know for me, it's it's what I've been waiting for. This is exactly what I've been waiting for because. I'm not saying that I don't like Jake Paul. The Pauls are very entertaining, both brothers, in what they do. But I have been waiting for Jake Paul to fight someone with the skill level of Anderson Silva for a very long time. Anderson Silva, he's 3-1 as a boxer. But the boxing record really doesn't matter because he is an all-time great in MMA. One of the best to ever do it in the UFC. Has records that still stand to this day. Last week I misspoke and I said that there were rumors about a fight with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. No, that fight actually happened last year and Anderson Silva won. Also got a knockout over Tito Ortiz in the boxing ring. Take that for what it's worth. I don't think Tito wanted to fight anyway. I think Tito was just there for a check. But Anderson Silva, we know that this is happening now. It's going down in Phoenix. I might have to take a trip down to Phoenix just to see this fight. Jake Paul, he's the younger man. Anderson Silva's 47 years old. So all signs are pointing to Jake Paul that, hey, I'm not saying that this should be an easy fight for him, but he has all the advantages. This is not Tyron Woodley who had to move up two weight classes. Someone that fought at 170 in the UFC. And I do think that with Tyson, excuse me, with Tyron Woodley, that this was a bit of, hey man, he's big, he's got the muscles, he's, that power's just going to carry over now that he doesn't have to drop the weight, but still was a much smaller man than Jake Paul. And Anderson Silva, even in the UFC, he never really got knocked out when he fought Izzy, Israel Adesanya. He still kept it competitive. I mean, obviously, the wide men defeat, but I think that was him just playing around too much. If he went into that fight and if he was not doing the Anderson Silva the overly cocky act that Anderson Silva had, I'm not saying that he still wins that fight. I'm not saying that Wyman had a fluke victory. He did beat him two times in a row. One also a leg injury. So both wins were were not Anderson Silva at his peak. But hey, he still lost those two. He still to he still lost those two championship fights to Wyman. But there's really never been anyone in the UFC that's just hey man I'm coming in there knocking knocking Anderson Silva out within the first round just like that. In this fight I just look I just found the date. Saturday October 29th, Phoenix, Arizona, live on pay-per-view. Showtime Boxing. They got me. They got me hooked cuz I'm I just, I was going to say I'm going to be there. I don't know if I'm going to be there officially. But I tell you what, I want to be I wanna be in the I wanna be in the building for that. That's gonna be some electricity in the air. Because with Jake Paul, it's that thrill of he's got his fans, the people who are actually on Team Paul, the people who are on the in the Jake Paul camp of what he's doing is great for boxing. Hey, he's saving boxing. And then you got the people like me, the haters. Yeah, I'm a hater. Some people like to oh, I'm too proud to hate. No, 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 not me. I'll admit it. I'm a proud hater, and I'm hating on Jake Paul for what he's been able to do with boxing, for him to carry over his internet fame, and if he's got all this time to just train boxing, I'm not saying he's not taking boxing seriously, but it's just someone's got to knock him out. He's got to be able to find that fighter who's going to be able to take it to him. Maybe that fighter could have been Nate Diaz. Maybe that can still happen. We're going to talk about Nate Diaz as UFC 279 is happening this weekend right here in Vegas. And Nate Diaz is headlining that card against Hamzad Shemenev. But we're going to talk about Nate Diaz later. But maybe he could have been that fighter. And I do think that the UFC, they were stalling him out. They didn't want him to take that fight. Uh, Nate, he, There were plenty of fights that Nate wanted than making the UFC. He could have got done with his contract earlier and had this fight here with Jake Paul. But nonetheless, it's going to Anderson Silva now. And Is Anderson Silva a better matchup? I don't know, but I do know that Anderson Silva is a bigger man. Like I said before, 47 years old, how much is that going to pay? How much is that going to play a factor? But Anderson Silva, 6'2", lanky, going to be around the same walking around weight as Jake Paul. And when you're just a championship fighter, the timing that he had in the octagon, I'm not saying that it's going to transfer over completely into the boxing, into the boxing ring. But I do know that you can't teach that. You can't teach the experience that he has. You can't teach the fight experience of just being in a fight, of just knowing how to handle yourself. You've seen this. You've seen that. Just reading your opponent. Jake Paul, I'm not saying that he's going to have to get a lucky knockout to get this fight over. But he's going to try to it would be in his best interest to knock Anderson Silva out within the first two rounds. Because if this goes on, and if Anderson Silva is allowed to get comfortable, and if Anderson Silva can figure out the cadences, figure out the tendencies of Jake Paul, it's going to be bad news for Jake Paul. Because like I said, Anderson Silva is an all-time great when it comes to combat sports. I don't know how Jake Paul is going to be able to handle this, especially with it being someone uh, Tyron Woodley held his own for as long as he could. But someone of the same size. Ben Askren, not a real fighter. Nate Robinson, slam dunk champion. Short guy hero. Put him in the Hall of Fame with short NBA players. Exactly. But that's Nate Robinson, Ben Askren, Tyron Woodley. No one on the level Of Anderson Silva. No one on that caliber of Anderson Silva. So with Jake Paul, I don't know. We're going to have to, he's going to have to open up his bag. I don't really know. I mean, he's got some heavy hands. Yeah, we know that. But I don't really know what's entirely in the Jake Paul bag. So it's going to be fun to see. I can't wait for the build up to this fight, the press conferences, the behind the scenes action, the little documentaries that Showtime is going to put together. As both fighters prepare for this fight, all of that stuff, I mean, every single bit of it, I am going to consume for this fight. I am all in for everything about it. Jake Paul, Anderson Silva, October 29th, Showtime, pay-per-view. I mean, like I said, I'm all in, and when we get back, I'm going to go all in with AEW as they had an explosive weekend and an explosive episode of Dynamite. We'll get into it all next here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game.
0: Thanks, Bill. Contrary to popular belief, I am a very nice guy. Thank you. I see, thought you, nice you, were very, you were very nice to you. We Welcome back to The Fight Game with Damon
1: Cotton. <laughs> stuff, no day, all right. And the reason I played that, because that was the end. Of CM Punk's press scrum Sunday following AEW's All Out. And he put on a doozy of the performance. Contrary to popular belief, he's a nice guy. Is how he ended a tirade as he went scorched earth on basically the entire AEW organization. And welcome back to the fight game here on 1230 The Game. But CM Punk, Phil Brooks, really set the wrestling world on fire, as only he can do. AEW All Out was this Sunday, this past Sunday, in Chicago, Illinois, CM Punk's hometown. And CM Punk regained the AEW World Heavyweight Championship from Jon Moxley. And at the end of the show, the returning Maxwell Jacob Friedman. MJF returns to AEW, setting up what's going to be a continuation of one of the best programs AEW's ever done, CM Punk, MJF. You would think the show ends there, AEW, they do the press scrums right after the show, WWE's press scrum, after Clash at the Castle, Roman Reigns came up, and he just said, acknowledge me. And leaves it was literally 20 seconds Roman Reigns asking the reporters to acknowledge him he gets acknowledged he leaves so you can play this in the kayfabe way if you want or you can turn it into a shoot as CM Punk did and we're just going to go over this blow for blow I, this is going to take up a majority <laughs> of the show but don't worry we're going to wrap it up with UFC 279 don't you worry but CM Punk, after winning the AEW Championship from Jon Moxley, he starts off before a question could even be asked, and he addresses his relationship with Scott Colton, a.k.a. Coat Cabana, former friend of CM Punk's, who during his exit from WWE, CM Punk went on the podcast that Scott Colton's Colt Cabana had, and he's... Saying some unflattering things about WWE, WWE sues them both. CM Punk says, hey man, you're my friend, you're my buddy, don't worry, we go way back. I'm going to take care of of your bills as well as mine when it comes to lawyer fees to fight the WWE, a billion dollar corporation. But along the way, there was a falling out. And in the falling out, CM Punk is giving statement after statement because some of the dirt sheets, CM Punk is addressing the dirt sheets of how the dirt sheets are saying that he has something to do with Coke Cabana not being on TV. CM Punk has something to do with Coke Cabana being fired and then rehired to ROH, which Tony Khan has bought has bought earlier this year. And, and to be honest, before we get into the meat and potatoes of CM Punk, his tirade, why do you care? Why are you addressing this after one of the biggest moments in the company? He says it. hey, these guys are trying to mess up our first million dollar gate. If they're doing this behind the scenes, they're not necessarily trying to mess it up. Sure, they're spreading rumors about you, but you're the one messing it up, addressing it addressing it to the media right after the biggest show the company's ever put on. Why would you do that? You are jeopardizing the million-dollar gate by bringing up petty nonsense. But he goes on, Scott Colton, I, what, he said, I have emails. Of him saying, you do not have to pay for my lawyer fees anymore. I will find another lawyer. Thank you. And Scott Coden went on to sue CM Punk for the lawyer fees that he accrued from battling the WWE. And CM Punk says, when we went to countersue, I dropped the suit because in discovery, it was found out that Scott Coden shares a bank account with his mother. Now, that's a low blow. That's cold. I ca- oh, man. For someone to say, yeah, I was going to sue him. I was going to take him for everything he had. But he shares a bank account with his mama. And that's why I couldn't do it. Yeah, whatever friendship they had there, it's it's dead and gone. It's buried. He said, I haven't had anything to do with this guy for over a decade. And I've wanted to have nothing to do with him for even longer than that. And if Scott Colton was there, if I'm coca Cabana, if I was there... I would have been in on the fight, too. And then that's where it gets even juicier, because the people that CM Punk is saying spread these rumors are executive vice presidents in AEW, the company that he works for. Yes, he's talking about the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. This all starts with a feud from Hangman Page. We talked about this last week with Cam Hawkins. Where it's hey AEW, like I don't wanna have the lines blurred of what's real, what's fake, what's a shoot, who's shooting on each other. I just wanna be entertained with a good story. And we've seen this we've seen this past Sunday it all out. That this was the breaking point. This is why you can't just say, hey, we're gonna tow the line with the blurred lines. Because now you have if you as you watched AEW Dynamite last night, the world champion suspended. The AEW trios champions The elite suspended the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, all suspended because after CM Punk unleashes this tirade and goes off on, hey. These EVPs, they couldn't run a target. They couldn't manage a target is what he said. And these are guys who are for this company, executive vice presidents. And all the while, the owner, the CEO of the company, Tony Khan, is sitting right next to him. And people want to say who to place the blame on CM Punk, should he have said this? Should, is it on the elite for spreading these rumors in the dirt sheets that CM Punk is so upset about? But just for this moment right here, following the media scrum after at All Out, Tony Khan, be the boss, be the employee, and say, put your hand over his mic and say, hey, man, we're going to shut this down. We can address this in-house. That's what he should have done. But CM Punk, he's going off. He's talking about how he works with children. And he's shooting on everyone. And people like to say, hey, is it a work? Is it a shoot? Could this been a work? This guy was eating muffins the whole time, eating muffins and drinking seltzer. Or whatever flavored water it was, as he did give a plug in the rejoin coming back. He's drinking flavored water and eating muffins. This dude, if you want to not take someone seriously, let someone ask you a question and they're just eating. If, someone, if you're just trying to be real serious with somebody, that lets you know that they don't care what you're talking about. They really don't. They're not respecting you. So he's talking to the media, and he's just eating muffins. He's not even letting them ask the questions. He's telling them what he wants to talk about. And apparently, it was Colt Cabana and the Elite. And he's going in on Hangman Page. But the story gets even better from there as CM Punk goes to the locker room, and then there's a freaking fight from reports from Sean Ross Sapp. The elite kick down the door. You've got Matt. You've got Nick Jackson. And they kick down the door to CM Punk's locker room. And that's when all hell breaks loose as there is a fight between three EVPs, Matt and Nick Jackson... Kenny Omega and CM Punk. And Ace Steel, an agent backstage, a trainer for AEW, he gets involved, a longtime friend of CM Punk's. There are reports that Ace Steel bit Kenny Omega. Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson got knocked out by a steel chair that was thrown at him. The dog was here for all of this. CM Punk's dog was in the room. And there are plenty of witnesses, and all that information is going to trickle out soon. But for AEW, this is one of the biggest cluster Fs. For a wrestling promotion that I can think of where you have guys that this should be their crowning achievement this should be the moment of hey we're putting AEW on the map CM Punk wins the world championship back in his hometown and he's so mad at his co-workers that he's that he that he's gonna call him out when it should be a moment for celebration and the co-workers are so upset that they say hey you know what we're not gonna take this we're gonna go fight him literally And it's not just co-workers, though. These co-workers are EVPs. And he is saying that, hey, these guys couldn't manage a target. But these guys have been pretty successful with this wrestling promotion that they did start from the ground up. So you have to give them the credit for that. But when it comes to the blame, maybe CM Punk is right. If these guys are dragging his name through the mud, yes, I would be upset, too, if someone that I work with was dragging my name through the mud. But that's that blurred line of, are these guys wrestlers? Yes, and that's why wrestlers should not have the power of being the bookers or whatever power, the executive vice president, whatever role that they have. Here's, here's a counterpoint. WWE today hired the former president of the Raiders, Dan Ventrelli, to be an executive vice president. Look who WWE is hiring to be executive vice president. A guy who ran the frickin' Raiders. And what's AEW's vice president? No shots at all. I'm just giving you the comparison. AEW's executive vice presidents are the elite. Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, formerly Cody Rhodes. And he he realized, hey, this is not going well. I've got to get out of here. And WWE, hey, Vince McMahon's going out of here. Nick Khan gets a promotion. Stephanie McMahon gets a promotion. Triple H gets a promotion. Hey, we need to bring in some other people around here to manage our talent relations. They say, hey we're going to bring in Dan Vitrelli. That's a smart move. These are the type of people been there, done that. They know what they're doing in these situations. I'm sure that if someone was, hey, Dan Ventrelli, you haven't been on the job that long. He just got hired today. But if someone was after him, after a press scrum, like, hey, man, this Dan Ventrelli guy, got a big problem with him. He's not about to go kick in the door and try to fight him. And then that's the biggest problem. Reports, CM Punk, tricep injury we still don't know but I'm going to assume a torn tricep he's going to be out for eight months I've heard that he's been fired altogether we haven't heard yet but we do know that the title was vacated as Tony Khan announced on last night's episode of Dynamite that there is going to be a vacancy for the AEW championship and the AEW trios championships but just I cannot get over the fight and I want to stress this enough could you imagine fighting your boss at work at that point Even if the bosses did instigate the fight, or even there are some reports that CM Punk threw the first punch. But he's got to be fired. He's got to be gone. Tricep injury or not, I don't care what happens when he heals up in a year. He's got to be fired. I don't care if he's the biggest star in the company. You can't go around fighting your bosses. That just can't happen. And for AEW, for all of the goodwill they've built up of, hey, we're going to be the promotion of change. We're going to be the promotion that's bigger than backstage politics. It's hard to it's hard to say all of that now. It's hard to prove that now. Last night's episode of Dynamite, it was a banger. I cannot lie. The show started out with MJF. They are trying to correct those wrongs. They just start off the show with hey, those guys are suspended. The titles are vacated. And then the show starts out with MJF, and MJF comes out to Buffalo in a Josh Allen jersey, has the crowd on the edge of their seats and here's just a little bit of mjf as he is now going to have to be this person his long layoff from aew as he is now going to have to be someone that lead this company are they going to put the title on him after he's got this championship chip that he won in the uh, casino ladder match but should they put the title on mjf maybe but just some of this promo work that he put in last night just shows why he's so special and why tony khan basically had to beg for him to come back to AEW. now let me tell you a story there was once a wise jewish man and his name started with an m and when his people were meek and weak and they needed help he split the sea wide open
0: and he walked them straight to the promised land Buffalo, I'm not telling you I'm Moses. That's ridiculous. I'm better than Moses. I'm going to win that world title because my name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And I'm better than you.
1: Had the crowd eating out of the palm of his hands. John Moxley comes out subsequently and he drops the act. Obviously he hates Buffalo. But come on man, that in that promo, the babyface promo, people were saying, "Hey, MJF, he's got to come back and be a babyface." He showed us right then and there that if it comes the time, if it needs to be babyface MJF, he can do it. Because this was just so great. I'm better than Moses. That popped me on the couch. That got me. I was like, hey, I'm all in on MJF if he was going to be a babyface. You could tell the whole time that, hey, he's going to turn on this crowd eventually. But even the finish, saying the catchphrase, the crowd just wanting to say it along with him. I'm MJF. I'm better than you. And you know it. And then John Moxley comes out. And John Moxley, he even mentions, due to this kerfuffle in the back room backstage at AEW All Out in Chicago, Jon Moxley had to cut his vacation short. He was supposed to take a vacation, as he mentions in his promo on AEW. He loses the title to CM Punk, and hey, he's going to go take some family time. That's customary. The champ, the former champ, he's going to take some time off. But Tony Khan, I'm sure, hit his line. We need you now more than ever. We need someone to step up and be an adult in the room for AEW as they have now announced a tournament of champions that's going to crown and it's going to be a new AEW champion. In two weeks, at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, and John Moxley is going to be in this tournament. And just the promo that he put into the passion that John Moxley has for AEW, you can see that he is. As CM Punk said, "You can be the heart and soul, I'll be the dollars and cents." But promos like last night show why John Moxley is the heart and soul of AEW.
0: Darby Allen, Hangman Page, Sammy Guevara, three dudes all younger than me, faster than me, more naturally gifted than I could ever be. So yeah, that's a hell of a shot. But winners always want the ball when the game is on the line. The ace always wants the ball And I want the ball. So hell yeah. I'm gonna take the shot. Guys, I literally have goosebumps. This is powerful, man. Because this isn't just time to win. This isn't just the fourth quarter. This isn't just winning time right now. This is time to be a legend.
1: Time to be a legend. Mike Drock moment there from John Moxley. So before we go to break, let's just give you a recap of all of this drama that started and has since occurred from Sunday at the end of All Out to Wednesday Night Dynamite with John Moxley cutting the promo, I'm not going to say of his career, but one of the best promos in AEW history considering where the company's at at this moment. CM Punk defeats John Moxley for the AEW championship, CM Punk in the post AEW press scrum and the post match scrum calls out the EVPs, calls out the elite because he didn't like a promo that Adam Hangman Page cut on him months ago. This was months ago when CM Punk finally decided to address it to the media. So we've got that. Punk's mad at Page. Punk's mad at the EVPs. The EVPs don't like what Punk had to say in that scrum. They go to talk about it and they were doing more than just talking as CM Punk and Ace still get into a fight with three members of the elite. Kenny Omega gets bitten. One of the Jacksons gets knocked out by a chair that was thrown at him. And then we get to Wednesday. MJF, he's returning. MJF is back. John Moxley is now in a tournament. A man who was supposed to be on vacation, as he said on the show, is now in a tournament with Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen. all of these men are now in a tournament to crown the new AEW champion. It's been a hell of a week for AEW. And with all that hell that was caused on Sunday night and who's going to be suspended, who's going to be fired, what are the consequences going to be? They stuck the landing with AEW Dynamite, even gave us a West Side Gun appearance as he wrapped Daniel Garcia out to the ring for the main event as he won the ROH Pier Championship. So, I mean, hey, things were looking bleak less than a week ago. This past Sunday, you were wondering what's going to happen with AEW? But I've got faith that they're going to be able to course correct and steer into a good direction with whoever they crown to be the new AEW champion. And Death Triangle, excuse me, I almost forgot about the trios championships because they were also vacated. Death Triangle are now the new AEW trios champions. So things are looking good in AEW, but I cannot still wait for the fallout of one of the biggest wrestling stories of the year that had nothing to do with what was going on in the ring and everything to do with the backstage politics and drama. Don't go anywhere as we're going to come back and talk about UFC 279, Nate Diaz in the card. This is The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with DeMont Cotton. All right, welcome back to the fight game here on 1230 The Game. And remember, you can get in touch with the show. You can tweet at me at damon underscore The Boss on Twitter at 1230 The Game on Twitter. You could also call the show if you like at 702 221 8982. But let's get into UFC 279. And just before the actual card, I saw a tweet and it was like, hey man, UFC. They didn't really try too hard with 279, but UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi and UFC 281 in New York, these guys are getting the all-out cards. And it made me have to pull up all three of the cards and see, is Vegas getting shortchanged here? Sheminev and Diaz, that's the main event, not a championship fight. Okay, 280, Oliveira, Makichev. That's going to be for the lightweight title. CoMaine Algermain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. That's for the bantamweight title. Before that, Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Peter Yan, former bantamweight champion Sean O'Malley, one of the hottest young stars in the UFC. Now, those let's go over to 281. Israel Adesanya against his rival Alex Perea. That's going to be for the middleweight championship of the world. Carla Esperanza versus Jean-Way Lee for the women's strawweight title. I mean, just looking at the fact that Abu Dhabi and New York both have two championship bouts on the card. And UFC 279, that's taking place in Vegas this Saturday, does not have a championship fight. Could you say that Vegas is getting a little shortchanged when it comes to the type of fights that the UFC are putting on those next two cards? Yes, but who's got the biggest star of all those cards? It's this one here in Vegas as Hamzat Shemenev is going to be taking on Nate Diaz. And this is going to be Nate Diaz's last fight in the UFC on this current contract. We don't know what's going to happen after. Could he maybe resign? He's talked earlier in this week as he's been doing press for this fight of, hey, man, he's got no hard feelings toward Dana White. You know, no bad blood with Dana White. It's a business. UFC is going to do what the UFC is going to do. And that if he wins this fight or if it's such a good fight that people want to see it again, that he may have to run it back. So with Nate Diaz, I don't really know what his plans are after this fight it seems that before before this fight was announced he had the guys that he wanted to face the you know poirier maybe connor there could have been some bigger name some bigger name fights that that were there to be made but the ufc dragging their feet along stalling them out this is the fight that he gets and he's been on record as saying that he didn't ask for this fight he really doesn't care for this fight but he's nate diaz so from Stockton, he's gonna fight whoever. But the UFC is saying, like, no, he asked for this fight as well. Like, this is a fight that both fighters wanted. But with Hamzat, this guy's number three in the World's Weight division. Nate Diaz is unranked. Hamzat is minus a thousand. Nate Diaz is plus 700. That shows you the odds for this fight. Where Nate Diaz isn't going to be able to go out on his shield, leave the UFC. Because he's going, he's one of the, he's a big underdog in this fight, and I just don't know why this fight was made. Yes, Nate Diaz an all-time great. Yes, give him a good fight to go out on. But I would have much rather have seen Conor. I would have much rather have seen Nate Diaz fight Conor McGregor. And is he missing out on that big payday because he's not fighting Jake Paul because he's still tied to the UFC contract? Absolutely yes. And when this fight was first announced, I was looking at it as, hey, the UFC they're punishing. They're punishing Nate Diaz. I think Hamzad's going to go in there and smash him. But is it a punishment? Because we all know that Nate Diaz, he can submit you, even when he's on his back, he can go for some submissions. We know that he's got the heart. He can last the five rounds. It's going to be hard to finish him. With all that being said, I mean, you don't get to become a legend Without putting in the work, Nate Diaz has been in the UFC since the mid-2000s. On Participated in the third season of The Ultimate Fighter. Just a few weeks ago, I was over at the Ultimate Fighter season finale for season 30. So this just shows how long Nate Diaz has been in the game. And I also want to touch on the co-main event that's also going to be taking place in the welterweight division as Li Jing Liang is going to be taking on Tony Ferguson. And Tony Ferguson is one of those fan-favorite fighters as well. For UFC 279, I think it's more of just look at the top three bouts on the card as just a fan-favorite card. Because you've got Nate Diaz, you've got Tony Ferguson, and then you've got Kevin Holland, who's also going to be on the card taking on Daniel Rodriguez. Kevin Holland, Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz, just a nice card that main card there just for a nice card for some fans some fan favorites some guys that you want to root for and with tony ferguson yesterday at the ufc media day that i was able to attend he said something the last question that he answered about dreams and the dream book that i think that he kept on that season of the ultimate fighter and how has he looked at dreams and goals now since being on the ultimate fighter dreams yeah
0: i had to my coach would tell me all the time uh when we first showed up at Grand Valley State, when I did, and he called me in. He uh, sat us all down, gave us a note card and a pen. That's Coach Dave Mills from Grand Valley. He says, I want you to write down three goals. I want you to write down one goal that you can accomplish within the f- And everybody, listen, I want you to do the same. I want you to write down one goal that you can accomplish within the first couple weeks here. The next goal is I want you to put another one in that you can reach within a half a year or a year. And the third goal, I want you to have one, regardless of it big mansion or big expensive car, whatever it is, I want you to put that on there, whatever's unobtainable. And each time you complete a goal, you're gonna get closer and closer towards that third goal. You would have, put your quote of your favorite athlete, sign it, your weight, height, all that good stuff. But what was important was those three goals. And in the dream box, I would do that. I, I, would, I would put my energy and put my mindset on what I wanted. I would, boom, put that and put it in the dream box. And over time, what ended up happening was the dream box still there, but I started just keeping it inside, keeping it interior here and not letting anybody do that. And I did that because it was my comfort zone. I never let anybody in my comfort zone, I said for you guys. But part of my language, but it's cool now. I don't have to be, you know, who I have to be in order to get done here anymore. They understand where I come from and they understand that I have a lot of following that we can get done. We don't have to be angry against each other. We can go out there and be civil and get done if we have.
1: And that was Tony Ferguson talking about goals. And I mean, so much bleeping had to be done there. As he's saying, he says as he starts, I'm gonna work on, I'm gonna work on my cursing. He's like, I'm gonna I'm trying to watch my language. That's something that I'm trying to work on. But then you see Tony Ferguson. And so much editing had to be done in just that one clip because it was it was real powerful stuff. He's talking about the dream box. He's talking about goals. I even put it down in my notes as I was taking notes for the media conference when he says, hey, even you guys, even all you guys write this down right now. And it's like, okay, Tony, let me write down how you looked at how you used your dream box to achieve these goals. But Tony Ferguson, just in that moment, me being there in media day just showed why he is such a fan favorite in the UFC. And it really made me so upset that we never got to see that fight with him and Habib. He mentioned how they both got the green light for the ultimate fighter, how they could both be a coach. And he's he's still calling out Khabib. He's still calling him out. He still wants the fight to happen. Now that he's moved up to welterweight, now he's at 170. He's mentioning how easy the cut was going to be. You know that he had a slurpee on fight week. And people are saying, oh, they're jealous. They're, he's crazy to have a slurpee during fight week. Tony Ferguson is going to be someone that's also a UFC legend just because of the performances that he put in. And I don't know what's going to happen this Saturday when he steps inside the octagon, but I'm excited to see the kind of performance that Tony Ferguson is going to be able to put on. Kevin Holland, that's going to be a catch weight. I mean, the ultimate parlay would be to just take the fan favorite in each three of the fights. I'm not going to say that because Nate Diaz is such a dog. Why would you do it? But hey, I'm going to say it because, hey, I might do it too. Just a quick $10 That's going to be my one parlay. I always try to give a a little parlay of who to pick in the UFC. Or maybe you can even make some money by betting against me. Do the exact opposite of what I'm about to tell you right now. Of Kevin Holland, Tony Ferguson, and Nate Diaz. Maybe just bet against all three of those on your parlay and you could win a little money. But hey, Hamzat, if he wins this fight... He should be the number one contender. He mentioned how Leon Edwards isn't mentioning him when it comes to who does Leon want to see now when he's going to defend that World's Away Championship. Obviously, maybe a rematch with Kamaru should be the obvious choice. But if Hamtad wins here, he's definitely the number one contender. He's minus minus a 1,000. We already know what's going to happen there. I'm not saying that Nate Diaz doesn't have a chance at all. But I'm going to go with the favorite in that fight. But like I said, if you want to just feel a little froggy, put $10 down on a three-fight parlay. Take Nate Diaz. I mean, come on. Plus 700? Those are some good odds there. And that's going to do it for us here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. I'm your host, Damon Codden. And come back with us next week as we'll be able to break down UFC 279. We're definitely going to be talking about Canelo as he's going to be taking on Triple G in the trilogy. This has been The Fight Game on 1230 the Game. Stay safe and take this up at all times, everybody.